Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online on Facebook. Thank you for being part of our Facebook community, joining us today. Luke chapter 2, I have a two-week series we're going to do called The Weary world rejoices the weary world rejoices if you're wondering where i got that title it's from a song and most of you've heard oh holy night and i was actually i was listening to it now i i did a series a while back where i talked about uh, the fact that we need to do some soul care and i felt like god wanted me to do a long series on caring for our soul i was gonna do it for christmas but i felt like the lord has directed me to do it during our 21 days of fasting and prayer. If you're new to grace, for like the last 14 or 15 years, we take, we've been taking the first part of the year, starting on January 8th, so that first major Sunday of the church is when you get away from the holidays, we do 21 days of fasting and prayer. We used to call it 21 days of prayer and fasting, but lest you think we just pray, We've changed it to one, 21 days of fasting and prayer, and we meet every night except Saturday. We meet every night at 7 o'clock, starting January 8th, where we get together for one hour of, of prayer time. We encourage you to fast as the Lord leads. And so I felt like we're going to do that series where we talk about soul care in January. But I want to really start a, a little bit even here today talking about weariness, because what I've seen... I've been pastoring now for 28 years, and I've seen over the last two years, obviously with COVID, but with the political issues, with the racial issues, and just with life in general, and social media adds a great deal to this, I've seen weariness like I've never seen before. In fact, I've seen people just drained. And listen, there's a difference between weariness and being tired, right? Tired can be fixed very easily, okay? Take a nap. Go to bed, all right? I go to bed early. I'm one of those early to bed. I tell my wife, I'm going to go, I'm going to sleep in by going to bed early. That's how I sleep in uh, in the morning, because I just feel like that, you know, you need to, you need to get to bed. You need your rest, all right? I've got a buddy of mine who lives overseas. He calls me every now and then at eight o'clock at night. I said, Bill, what time is it there? I said, it, it, he says, it's two in the morning. Uh, Bill, I'm in bed. I'm in the bed physically. Why are you still awake? You know, I just feel like, you know, and he's a, he's a night owl. I get it. I'm a morning person. I feel like, you know, hey, it's dark now at 6 o'clock. We ought to be asleep uh, somewhere between 6 and 7, you know. And that's how you sleep in. You get your sleep on the front end. And so weariness can be fixed. Take a nap, drink coffee. We'll fix it all, all right? I mean, tiredness, tiredness, but weariness is different. Weariness is your soul, all right? It's, it's something that a nap can't fix. You go on vacation thinking that's going to fix it, and you come home, and you're still weary because it's something that's happening on the inside of you. It affects your soul, and what I see is people who are just walking around. The lights are on. Nobody's home. They're weary. There's something about what's happening on the inside of them, and it desperately needs to be addressed. And I find that, especially during the Christmas season, 
In this time, weariness because we overextend ourselves, because we, we run from place to place, and, and it's a season where we should just be rejoicing, but instead we're weary. And so I was listening to that song, O Holy Night, and it says this, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder, come on now, you know they're from Loxahatchee, for yonder <laughs> breaks a new and glorious morning. And so there's an answer for weariness. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 25 says this, as cold water to a weary soul. Watch this, not to a weary body. Did you see that? As cold water to a weary what? soul, so is good news from a far country. I've got good news today. Are you ready for this? Luke chapter 2, if you're there, Luke chapter 2, verse number 8 says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is the beginning of the gospel, and the word itself, gospel, means good news. This is the beginning of the good news, and I've got good news for you today, all right? Here's the good news. The good news is there's good news. The good news is there is good news. I don't know much about being a shepherd, but I do know this. It wasn't just the shepherds that were facing the weariness of the day. There had been no word from the Lord for centuries. Hundreds of years had passed. God had not spoken. And so the entire earth, I believe, was dealing with weariness. And so... The earth was groaning, longing to hear some good news. And the angel shows up and says, listen, I've got good news that's going to bring you great joy. Everything changes today. Today, everything changes. Today, everything changes. You have, now you have something to look forward to, right? And because they're just going through the day to day. They're just working the nine to five and the grind and all of the things, and they've got all these plates spinning in the air, and they have all this stuff that is happening, and they're afraid it's all going to come crashing. They just don't know how to find a cold drink of water for their thirsty soul. And here's what's happening. They're just weary. And I find that people are, are facing that today. They're just like, Pastor, I just, I don't know, something, something's off. Like, I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. I just feel like there's something off with my soul. And I, and I feel like the answer is this. God's presence is here. Listen, there's good news. The good news is everything changes when God's presence shows up. If you would just find a place where you could access the presence of God. And here's what the shepherds did. The Bible says they made haste and they said, listen, if he's here, let's find him. 
And I want you to know this. Here's the good news. The good news is, is that there is a prescription for the weariness. And it's not for you to take a nap or you to get some more sleep or not for you to just get away a little bit or not for you to take a little vacation or just enjoy a holiday. The good news is, is that at any moment you can access the presence of God and the presence of God is the prescription for the weariness of your soul. Amen? And what we need is God's presence in our life. And so the shepherds just immediately made haste because weariness is, is something that drags us. And if it's not dealt with, it turns into depression, and that depression leads to the anxiety and stress, and all of a sudden, we just walk away going, I don't know what it was about that Christianity, but it did not bring me any joy. And we blame everything else except for the toxicity that is in our soul. And so we have to deal with the weariness. And there's an answer. Listen, if I was a doctor and I could prescribe you something today, because you go in to the doctor and he begins to hear the symptoms, right? And, and, and then he gives you a prescription. I want you to know this. There is a prescription for the remedy. There's a prescription. Now, it's Christmas time, and so I decided to share a portion of Scripture with you that deals with family, all right? Because I had a pastor that said this years ago, he would get up on Christmas time and he would say, I'm going to spend time with my family during the holidays. Please pray for me. That I'm sweet. He would just say, pray that I'm sweet. Because he said, there is craziness in my family. Now, I just believe that every family has a little bit, right? Just a little bit of Every family, there's no such thing as fully functional. We're all dysfunctional in some way. And so some has a little more than others, and some of you endure the holidays, and then some of you enjoy the holidays. But I want to take you to a portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 2, slip over to Luke chapter 10, and watch what happens between two people named Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, this is Jesus walking into a house. It says this, now it happened, verse 38, Luke 10, 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now watch this next sentence because this next sentence is amazing. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you are working and somebody else isn't. Where you're putting up tables and chairs, watching people drink coffee and talking in a corner. And you're over there setting up and tearing down and you're watching it. And you're just wondering, what is wrong with them? Don't they see what's happening over here? And, and I don't know. I've looked at this scripture many times and I've thought, I'm team Martha. 
Like, if I was to pick a side, she's right. Mary's wrong. Mary should be helping. This poor woman is in the kitchen, and you know she's clanging pots and pans, and you know she's slamming cabinet doors, and all these things are happening. But I also just felt this. I also felt like maybe there's a little bit of history between the sisters, right? Because siblings sometimes don't always get along. Not in this church, but other churches (laughs) deal with this where there's a long history and there's family dysfunction and, and it's not just about, come on now, it's not just about Mary has, Mary's all, she's always been this way. She walks around barefoot, flowers, you know, listening to kumbaya and just whatever will be, will be and that's just Mary, that's that's just her. Her head's always in the clouds, and Martha's got her to-do list and her get-her-done attitude, and she's, uh, they've, they've, just, they've just had tension. And that's sometimes what happens during certain seasons of our life, seasons of tension. And you can just feel the anxiety rising up in Martha, and she's just like, I, if she doesn't get over here in five minutes, I'm going straight to Jesus. I'm interrupting this this prayer gathering, and I'm going straight to him in front of everybody, and I'm going to say to him, don't you care, right? And Jesus' response is fantastic. It's amazing. Here's his response. Listen, Martha, you've got a choice to make, right? And, and she's already made her choice, and she chose the right way, and you chose poorly, Because Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet thinking, why in the world should I serve these men when Jesus is here? And you need to know this. Sometimes the right thing at the wrong time can be the wrong thing. Did you hear me now? Because when Jesus needs to be worshipped, when it is time for his presence... When he's in the house just for a short period of time, everything else can wait. Everything can wait. And sometimes we need to learn how to say no to certain things and yes to certain things, right? Because right now, it was all about Jesus. Amen? And so Martha decided that she was going to be, you know, Martha Stewart. And so she was just going to put this incredible plate together and this charcuterie board or whatever you call that thing, and she was just going to be amazing. It was just going to be the most amazing. And Jesus is like, you are missing the most important thing now. And so there's an answer for weariness, and it's learning how to say no to things, yes to things, but the most important thing is saying yes to his presence. Yes to his presence. I want to give you the cure for weariness. Two things. Are you ready today? This is just going to be quick because we're going to go back into worship and take communion together as a family. But number one is this. You have to kill cynicism and raise your expectations. Because I could just see Martha in the kitchen going, I knew she was going to do this. She's always been this way. I knew she wasn't going to come up in here and help her, uh, help me. I knew this was going to happen. Because when you've been disappointed by someone over a long period of time, you've come to expect the disappointment. 
And when people have let you down over and over again, you have lowered the bar and lowered your expectations so much that you refuse to allow hope in. And you become like the person with the bumper sticker. The more people I meet, the more I like my dog. And people all of a sudden just become just something that is just another source of disappointment. And if we're not careful, we take that cynicism and we translate it from people to God. And we lower expectation of God himself. And you think, if I could just lower my expectation, then I won't be disappointed. My first year of ministry, I walked into a room. I remember that my pastor said, hey, we're going to go to a pastor's gathering. We have these every year. I was 24 years old. I, I walk into this room, and there's nobody in the room under 50. Everybody was like 50, and most people were over 60. And I began to listen to these pastors who had been in ministry for years and years and decades, and I listened to them for the very first time, my very first time in this meeting, and I heard complaint after complaint, and people do this, and they make promises, and they don't come through, and all this stuff. And I just listened to them for an hour and a half, and I walked away from the meeting and went, wow, do I even want to be in ministry after listening to that? And years of being jaded and disappointed had led them to just feel like their expectations of people were so low. And I want you to know, I like people. I still expect a lot of people, amen? I believe next week it won't be just me and Cynthia here worshiping. I believe other people are going to show up, amen? I've got high hopes and high expectations of people. And listen, I know you've been disappointed. I know people have let you down. But stop being a cynic and raise your expectation and begin to believe the best about people again. Let me tell you what a cynic is. I've looked up the definition. This is from the dictionary. A cynic is a person who believes the worst about people or the outcome or events. Selah. Just think about that. Somebody who always believes the worst. And we've watched as people and leaders have let us down. And all of a sudden, we allow cynicism to grow into our heart. And it leads to us just being weary from disappointment. There's a line in a show called Downton Abbey where the housekeeper says to the butler, well, you've got a great impression of your fellow man. And he comes back and says, I've got the impression that life has taught me. Huh? I've got the impression that life has taught me. And when you get disappointed, because listen, we've had people walk out. We've had people walk out of our life, never say goodbye, and we thought to ourselves, my Lord, we went on vacation with these people we used to be very close friends, and they walk away, and, and, and they never say a word, and, and you just go, okay, who's next? Some of you just need to go, who's next? Amen? I've had people disappoint me. I've had people walk out. I've had people say they're going to do things, and they've never done them. I've had people make promises and not follow through. Who's next? Because I know this, God has never failed me. God has let, never let me down. I know that God will bring somebody else into my life. It wasn't them. It's going to be somebody else. God's not going to have me on this path alone. I cannot live my life as a cynic. I have to raise my expectation, and God is going to bring somebody else in my life. I just know it. Amen? And listen, we have to understand that it's all about his presence. Amen? If I could just get into the presence of God, 
And raise my expectations starting with him. Amen? And then number two is this. Number two is say yes to whatever fills your tank and no to the things that drain it. This is what Mary did. She just said, boys, help yourself. You got two legs. There's the kitchen. Go for it. But there is just a small window here where I'm going to take the opportunity to serve God, worship God, love on God, be with God. Just spend time in his presence. Amen? And you know, you have a tank. You just have so much of you that you can give. And if you don't learn how to fill it and how to plug the drain of what drains it, you're going to be walking around on empty. You're going to be walking around, and like I said, it's just there's nothing left to give, and you're just weary. And so there are things that fill your tank, right, and there are things that, that empty it. Because here's the challenge with, with dry land, desert, is the one thing it needs, it rejects. When, when the earth gets dry enough, even when you pour water on it, it repels the water. And sometimes our souls can get so dry and so toxic and you've been burned so many times and you're walking around scorched. And just when God wants to pour his water on you, it's like you can't even receive it because you're so hurt and so bitter and so toxic, right? And so you have to learn, okay, that means that right now I've got to take care of my soul, right? And I'm going to get to a place where I could say yes to some things and no to others. I was listening to a podcast yesterday where a guy was just talking about sometimes he goes and he takes off his shoes and socks and just feels the grass underneath his feet. Just wants to feel the grass. He said, there's something about me when I could just feel grass. Amen? Sometimes it's sand. If I could just get to the beach. For me, it's ocean water. If I could just get to the ocean. Not now because it's freezing. You know, Floridians, the sun goes behind a cloud. Forget it. We're done. (laughs) But there are certain times when when you just got to get to a place. Sometimes it's it's over in a corner where you could read a book and get away from the digital rectangular box that sucks our soul away. See what I'm saying? We just got to get to a place where we care for our soul. Amen? And so you have to learn to say yes to some things and no to others. You know, Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about watching how you, you give an oath or you take an oath or you make an oath. And he said this, you have to make sure that your yes is yes and your no is no. You can say yes, I will, or no, I won't. He said anything beyond that, anything else is from the evil one. In other words, it is the enemy that is trying to take your life and and overcommit, you're you're, you're just too stretched out, you're committed to too much stuff, you say yes to things that you know you can't say yes to, and you don't know how to say no to anything, and so you're just walking around, and you're just glassy-eyed because you don't care for yourself, and so let your yes be yes. Say yes to certain things, and then say no to other things, and listen, during Christmas, we have to do that. I, I just can't, I can't do that. I can't give, get there. I can't be there. I can't do everything. I just decided that I'm going to put out this many Christmas lights, and that's it. That's it. No, not doing anything else. My wife and I, we're done. 
Come to our house. This is what you get. That's all you get. That's all. I don't want to do anything else. Next year, maybe. I don't know. Just depends on if I have time. But I don't want to neglect myself and my time with God because I'm so complicated and so busy. Amen? I want to make sure that I leave time for the most important thing because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And so I want to give you this. First and foremost, you need to get into God's presence and let him begin to care for your soul. The psalmist said this, Psalm 23, he restores my soul. How? He makes me, huh? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me, how? Beside still waters. Woo! Doesn't green pastures and still waters just refresh you already? Amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to pray for you today. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com and give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle at gogracechapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.